everybody? It's your boy Sean Serino back again with another Sean Talks. Special shout out to everyone that had listened to Spoken Sean. A lot of people was really excited about it. I actually have somebody that's right next to me right now that was talking about how I did such a great job on Spoken Sean. And he's a returning guest because he talked about the do's and don'ts of success. Shout out to my guy, Glenn Page. He's a songwriter and also a radio producer at WPHT as well. He already know you guys, so let's just reintroduce him again. Welcome again. Shout out to my guy, songwriter, Glenn. How's it going, my man? How's everything so far? Thank you for having me here, Sean. And yeah, I loved your I loved your podcast where you just talked for about a half an hour. That was really inspirational. I was telling Sean that he actually should be a motivational speaker based on that. listen listen thank you once again glenn and i really do appreciate it uh that you was willing to take the time out to listen to it and if anybody wants to know what i was talking about it's sean talk 17 is spoken sean you get to hear a lot of things that went on in my life so it's a personal connection so hopefully you guys tune in and listen to it but tonight hold on you got something well i think that you said it was a personal thing but i think the great thing about that podcast was that a lot of it translates to the general that anyone can listen to that and get something out of it. So even though you're ta- talking about it from your experience, I don't feel like it's just your, anyone can relate to it. I respect that. And, and that's the main thing, because that's, that's what I really wanted to focus on. I want people to feel relatable towards me. I, I want everyone to understand that I'm human just like you, and we all going to live our life as the best we can. But let's just have the opportunity to understand that circumstances always going to come around. But continue pushing yourself and continue doing what you're doing. You're going to overcome all adversaries. But we could talk about Sean, Spoken Sean all the other time. We got a really good topic. And honestly, I think me and Glenn have a lot of relatability when it comes down to this particular topic. Because we are creative people that loves to do things to express a major you know, audience if we could. And we like to just, you know, just produce our quality and produce everything that we feel about. But sometimes we get put into those circumstances where quality kind of gets overtake by quantity. And I feel like we are in this standstill that why is it really the reasons why people tend to look at the mass audience instead of looking at the quality of the content as given. So my first question I want to ask, just as a music artist, and just talk about your music journey and just talk about, like, how do you want people to understand your creativity and how does it connect and how you want to connect to a major audience if you could? Wow. OK, so to put that into a wider context, I think you have to look at the, the larger context of my art and what I do. I'm a songwriter primarily. I've I've done some other art. I've done some drawing and I've done some cartooning and things like that, but primarily I'm a songwriter. And I grew up, uh, I grew up like so many of us. I'm I'm in my early 50s now. And I grew up loving pop culture and I loved pop music. And of course, pop music was always to some extent a business. Music has there's always and there's always been a business element to all the arts. So when I grew up, I really loved the, not the business side of it, but I enjoyed pop music and the art that was created from that. And I think at some point, the commercial concerns 
overtook or the scales tipped a little too far towards the commercial concerns. And there's a lot of reasons for that. There's a lot of factors for that. We can get into that. But I did grow up and I loved pop music and I really liked short, catchy, poppy songs. And they had to be immediate and they had to be accessible and they, because they were on the radio and they wanted to keep you listening and they wanted you to listen through the commercials and things like that. So there were always commercial concerns, but there was still room for the artistic end of it. So you still had these great songwriters, people who were Carol King and people from the Brill Building and people that I admired, uh, the greats like Lennon and McCartney and Ray Davies of the Kinks and Stevie Wonder, these people who were just powerhouses of songwriting, but they were working in a commercial context. So you had this nice balance, in my view, of the pop culture of the times, and you also had an artistic end to it. And a lot of the people who were involved in the business end of it, they weren't always artists. And they sort of, if you ask the people who did that art, that songwriting, when I, you're going back to the 60s, the 70s, if you ask the people who were around at that time, they will, will tell you they had more carte blanche to be a little bit more experimental. The labels wanted to make money. They were businessmen. And a lot of times people got exploited. But because they weren't artists themselves, they sort of gave them free range. The artists were given free range. So there was a little bit more time to explore yourself and to be creative. It wasn't like, you've got to have a hit on this first. If you don't explode out of the box, if you don't go viral with 10 billion views, that's it. No one's going to care. It wasn't like that. They had a little bit more room, and that, that, in a way, was a good thing. So you had a balance there. In some ways, it was bad. A lot of times, artists were getting exploited. There are good things now that you can do it yourself. So like anything, it's a double-edged sword. In a lot of ways, it's a double-edged sword. Um, before I continue, you wanted to ask me something about this? Yeah, yeah. The, the main thing I wanted to ask, since you brought up the really good understanding of saying, like, you got to go viral right now, do you feel like today society is where they really affected on those viewerships? They're not really listening to the, the quality of, the, of whatever yeah. you're doing. Like, do you think they really focus on just how many people are wanting to listen to it? And I was getting really long-winded, but that's basically the, that's the point that I wanted to come around to, is that I feel like it's tipped so far in the direction now where you immediately have to get people's attention, and you immediately have to get the clicks, and you want to go viral. So people are just putting out tons and tons of content because that's how they drive up their numbers, and everything is it's tending, trending towards just getting people's immediate attention and keeping them watching. And it was always like that, but you had a little bit more breathing room. But now, because of the democratization of the Internet, which is a good thing in a lot of ways, the democratization of the Internet, because anyone can put anything out there and people are putting out tons and tons and tons and tons of content, it's getting harder and harder to be heard to the point where it's, it's almost ridiculous, where you're losing all nuance. And what I wanted to get at was, in the past, where there were less artists and there were less mediums to uh, express that, to express your art, there were still gatekeepers in a sense, uh, you still could have some new things could get through. If someone believed in you, and something new can get through. So now what I'm getting at here is in the age of the Internet where everybody's out there and everybody's putting their art out there and everyone's demanding your attention, even the traditional gatekeepers are having trouble getting your attention. So when I say the traditional gatekeepers, I mean the record labels and NBC and whoever owns all these – iHeartRadio and Comcast, whoever owns all these companies, they're, they're competing with like regular dudes on the street, whereas before they could command your attention. So what I'm saying is before, if somebody from NBC believed in Sean, Sean Talks, 
they could put you on the air and they could throw all their resources behind you. And people didn't have the choice to uh, necessarily go off and watch something on YouTube instead. Now, the downside of that is if Sean sucks, which you don't, of course, but if Sean sucks, you couldn't go to YouTube. You would just watch Sean and that, that would be it. The upside is if Sean had a little more nuanced point of view, if your creativity was something that people couldn't get right away, like what is Sean talking about? I never, I never heard anything like this. Eh. The, the good side of the former model in the past was that people who had resources could keep Sean out there until somebody got it, until they got it. So let me give you a really simple example. Have you ever heard, there's a band called the B-52s. Have you ever heard of the B-52s? No, they, sing, they sing Love Shack. You know that song, Love Shack, at the Love Shack, baby? Yeah, okay. yeah, I think I know which one you're okay. talking about. Okay, so when those guys came out in the late 70s, they were sort of doing this ironic take on kitschy 50s sci-fi, and it was a little bit ironic, and it was electronic, and it didn't have guitars. And the point I'm making here is it was catchy, and it was immediate, and it was poppy, and it was fun. But at the same time, people weren't, in the, in the United States at least, weren't really used to this kind of ironic stance that they had. And it's really obvious now. Like, you look at it now, and it's all very obvious. But what, what I'm getting at is if there wasn't a record label to say, hey, these guys are good, and put them out there, and I believe in them, they might not have made it. So now... Uh, what I'm what I'm saying is you don't have as much room. You don't have as much leeway. They want an immediate return. When people do something creative now, if they're going to invest in you, they want to know that Sean is going to get clicks. Sean is going to get views. And that leads to less, less risk-taking. That's hard to say. Less risk-taking, less nuance, less outside the box. I'm not saying it never happens. But look, when you have so much content, you're just trying to cut through, they're not real, they're not, they don't want to take chances. That's the whole thing that led to the blockbuster mentality, too. We're, we're not going to take chance on a little indie art film that Sean make. We're going to make Iron Man 14 because we know people are going to go see it. Would you say honestly it's completely true because then that's when I brought up the main topic of just being quality versus quantity. Just like how you said, they're, they're focusing on that next Iron Man 14. They're not worrying about oh, let's see if this person with this indie show that's talking about something completely different might actually attract a major audience in a different way. Everyone's focusing on the views. Everyone's focusing on who likes it. Everyone focusing on who's listening to more. No one's not worrying about the quality because if you sit through quality, quality is something that is longevity. Everybody look at stuff simplistic. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It's a lot of simplistic stuff that's out here in today's world. And I, I, I'm going to put my big boy hat on, and I'm a, I'm a, I know it's going to hurt a lot of people. But I think that a lot of the quality that we see in today's environment is also just being reciprocated the same way. It's just going the same way. Like, for an example, like, you watch reality TV shows. You got loving hip-hop. You got, you got the Kardashians. You got... You know, the Black Ink Crews, you got all these these same shows that talk about the same thing just because you know why people like to see drama. And that's what another thing that sells when it comes down to content. People just want to focus on stuff that a lot of people wants to feel, quote unquote, not related because they don't want to be related to the negative stuff. But they want to see how other people go through the negative stuff because it's something entertaining. And that's what a lot of people like to see. A lot of people like entertaining way more than they like to learn from something. Think about it. Like you look at the look at the Discovery channels and you look at all the most important shows and stuff like that that's very influential to a lot of people. It got very low 
ratings. It got very low viewers because nobody's not worrying about that. What you think? What What is the most popular thing? Can I'm gonna ask you this side question? Can I? I could talk so much about it. What is the most popular thing that you see right now that is the most simplistic thing out here? The most simplistic thing. Oh wow. Well, I guess I would have to say. A lot of it is just the uh, social media content that you have people doing podcasts and you have people, not podcasts per se, but you have people doing little comedy bits and, and little sketches and they have millions of views and they're not really doing, a lot of them aren't really doing anything innovative. It's very obvious. It's very lowest common denominator and I've probably done some of it myself. Um, so I think that the, the way that things are right now, the way the internet is right now with there being so much content what you're talking about it's going to trend towards that lowest common denominator of what can we do to get people's attention can we have more sex can we have more violence can we have people fighting can we have toxicity and that's just an, a, a that's just going to happen when you have so much out there and so many people vying for attention and there's still an audience for things that are yeah there's there's still an audience for richness and depth but no, no, because I wanted to say this. When you said sex, when you said violence, and when you say all, think about it from our standpoint. When you used to see people that get into a fight, everyone would stop what they're doing and watch it, just like sex. Everyone would stop <laughs> and do it and look at it, just like anything that comes down with some type That's of negative. It, it's, the, it's the negativity. You got to think about it. Like, a lot of people, when things that are bad, a lot of people put a lot of attention on it because everyone wants to know, is that person going to get out of it? Everyone wants to know, wow, what's going to happen next? Think about all the stuff that's going on in the media. We see so much negative stuff. When the last time we saw something positive? Like, when the last time did we, like, we got so much problems. We got, you know, I don't want to talk about all this stuff that's going on in the world news, but people see it. And you see all the, the depressing stuff. Nobody don't even like to watch the news. I don't even watch the news myself because it's depressing. Every single time you see negative stuff. But what happens? That brings ratings because everyone's going to keep watching it. Everyone wants to keep seeing it. And I think that when we get into that oleology effects, I probably pronounced that word very wrong. But when you get into that point, when you think about a lot of negative stuff, a lot of negative stuff is the reason why stuff still runs in today's society. People like corrupt. As much as we all like to say we don't like corrupt, we like corrupt stuff. And I think that that's what sells. And that's what a lot of people wants to focus on because when you see negative stuff and you see problems and you see issues, everyone wants to know what's going to happen next. Who's going to get hit? Who's going to get that? Who's who's going to get this type of results? What's the consequences going to be? And that's where a lot of ratings go. Then before you know it, you 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 giving all these guys a lot of money in their pockets and then before and then you don't unconsciously know, but you're actually entertained about it because you like it. And you see it. And that that's like the issues that I see in raps and in and, and music and stuff. Like it's this one rapper, I, I don't think you ever heard of him, but his name is Six Nine Takashi. He's well known for being a, a snitch. He snitched on a Rico charge where he had uh he was part of the uh the, the Trey Nine Bloods and he snitched on that entire organization and he got he got out of jail. When he got out of jail, he still make music. And he's proud known of being known as a rat. He loves it. He talks about it all the time. He still wants to be a gangbanger. He still talk about he wants to fight people and he shoot at people. And he's so hood. He's so that. But then when you look at him, 
when you look at his rating when you look at his fan base people are not the, the people that like him they don't like him because of his quality they just like because he's a troller and they think that's an entertaining and then as you can see they always want to know what's going on when when six nine always talk about another artist it blows up everybody say oh my god social media is back why is it bad because of somebody's being negative this is not something that you will want to find amusing why are you finding this fun and that just like another guy like justin leboy talk about the toxicity he talks about relationships he talk about how girls how many men can sleep with one girl how many girls can sleep with one guy or or how many or this or that or how much money can you run up a guy before he you actually start showing signs that you like him these are negative stuff that people find amusing and i don't understand why that why would you look at something like that as something influential that can help build your character because it doesn't build any character if you ever think about it those simplistic stuff just make things more negative and that keeps us in a runaround of a lot of issues that's going on in society what you think about that well i think you're touching upon a lot of things there um, I mean, I think that part of it is there's a sort of voyeuristic quality there. I don't think some people are just sort of, and this is the way it's always been, people are going to, you do something crazy, you do something toxic, as you're, as you're wording it, something negative, people are going to want to watch it, whether they're necessarily a toxic person themselves. There's a sort of voyeuristic quality there. But when you're trading in that shock, and you're trading in those types of things, those ty types of behaviors. That's sort of a, to me, it's sort of a creative dead end because you can only shock people for so long. You're always, if, you're, if your whole stock and trade is to shock people, you've always got to be topping yourself. So and you've, you can only shock people. And that's why you have these ridiculous things at the Grammys now where people are just acting like lunatics, basically doing everything short of whatever on national TV, and nobody cares. Nobody's even watching it. And they're like, well, we've got to get even more shocking. It's like, you can't. Nobody, nobody's shocked anymore. The prom one, you saw what happened. The, the Oscars, no one didn't care about any of those movies. Everyone talked about that Will Smith smack. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, and I think a lot of what social media does, and a lot of this is because they are more concerned, the people who are profiting off of this, the people who are running these media companies and these social media companies, they, they benefit by exploiting the weaknesses in our psychology. We, are, we have certain weaknesses in our psychology where we want to say, oh, wow, we want to see things like that. We want to see. So they're going to, they're going to pander to that to an extent. And it's not that people aren't interested in the more highbrow stuff and the more highfalutin stuff. A lot of people are, but it's sometimes... It's just more, it's just easier to like look at stupid stuff. I can't tell you how many times I've gone, like tonight I'm going to read that book I was mean to read. And I do, you know, I just, and, and instead I'm, I'm scrolling through some dumb crap. And that's, you know, that's on me. That's not their fault, but they are sort of contributing to that climate. Uh, a big, but I, I want to say this, I was going to say this before, a big part of the problem is that People say, well, if you're good and you're, you're great, if you're really putting something of quality out there, going back to the quality versus uh, quantity, if you're putting something of quality out of there, it's going to break through. Well, yes and no. Yes and no. Because I have seen, and I'm not even talking about myself here, I have seen some tremendously talented people sort of languish in, um, in obscurity. So 
and it's not necessarily because they weren't great or they weren't good. Some of it is just that there is so such a voluminous amount of con- content out there. There's just so much content out there that you cannot, even if you're great, if you have something that takes less than uh, more than four seconds for someone to process the nuance in it, you're screwed. Okay, and going back to what I was uh, was saying about the the B-52s, it took a little while for people to get it. And it wasn't, and it, we're not talking Mozart, we're not talking the most profound music ever made, but it needed a little time for people to understand, oh, I get it now, I, I know what they're doing, because at the time people were listening to, and here in the United States, people were listening to middle-of-the-road adult contemporary. And so something like the B-52s and New Wave, that was completely different. So it took a little while. Like The record labels had to put that out in front of people. And now I don't know if you have that as much because people, they're just going to keep going with the, the tried and the true and the safe and the lowest common denominator and trying to shock. Um, and what you were saying about toxic things and negative things, I don't know because I think that there's diminishing returns in, on one hand, I think there are diminishing returns. Like, I think a lot of the big media companies, they will try to shock people and they will try to keep people interested with with toxic things that are toxic and negative. But people do get bored and they sort of move on. They're like, I'm not going to watch this. So on the one hand, I do see that. Uh, I do see people, I see positive signs that people do not respond as well as they would like. But I don't see enough intelligent content uh, contrasting with that coming out of that as a result. I, I see people sort of resistant to a lot of it, but I don't see enough intelligent material coming out in, instead. No, no, and going off of what you're saying, I completely agree with that because just like how you said, toxic stuff and things that just really simplistic, because I, I look at toxic stuff, I look at a lot of negative stuff as very simplistic. I think that is no creativity. I just think that you follow in the masses and just like how you said, it doesn't have no longevity. And that's 100% true because you know why a lot of people are doing it. It's, it's relatable. Like if you see you see 10 people doing the same thing, of course, everyone's going to want to do it because they're going to be like, wow, man, this is so quick. This is so easy to get put on. But then you see that one content that they drop and then all of a sudden they diminish. They go away. You never hear from them again. They all fly by night. But when you see those things that are well-deserved where they took their time in her and they blood and they sweat and they tears and their creativity and they really produce great content it lasts forever and i think that that's what a lot of people should start focusing on don't follow the the simplistic stuff because it's it's easy to go viral when you want to be negative it's so easy to go viral when you want to fit the masses of everyone else like a dance or or a song or or a comedy sketch you know a lot of that stuff right then and there is going to get you a little bit of buzz for the time being then before you know it you fall off i'd rather have the slow process to be to get myself to go viral than have the quick viral to go to go big because if you go big quickly you die faster but when you yeah it's that and all of that stuff isn't going to be remembered because there'll be a million new things tomorrow. It's it, the, I think it takes a lot of confidence to believe in the quality you're creating. So you're talking about quantity versus qual, uh, quantity versus quality. You've got to believe in the quality you're creating. And it can be tough. As Okay, so let's bring it back around to me. As a songwriter, when I create a song, I think my most successful song has something like 200,000 views total on YouTube, okay, which isn't too bad. 
and I believe in it. I think it's a good song. But when you compare it to, there's people on YouTube who they'll just like look at today's headline and say, man, can you believe this crazy stuff? This is crazy. And they might get like one halfway funny, witty comment, on, and that will have a million views. for the day. And they'll have another one tomorrow that has a million views. And I'm like, what am I doing? This thing that I did, which I worked on so hard, has 200,000 views. So you, it takes a lot of confidence. You've got to believe in yourself that like, yeah, it's going to be discovered. And the sad reality is a lot of it isn't going to be discovered. And that, that's where it can get discouraging because you can be an artist you can be a creative person, and you can believe in the, the uh, quality you're creating. Say, wow, this is something that's going to endure. But you're thinking to yourself, it might get lost in a sea. And that's not necessarily a reflection on me, like, oh, I just suck. You know, I'm just terrible. You know, I may not be Van Gogh or Mozart, but you've got to really believe in yourself that, like, yeah, someone's going to find this, and it's going. And that's the other thing. When you're talking about quality versus quantity, if you're – if the people that you do reach, let's say you reach 100 people, or in my case with the song, I reached 200,000 people, I can hope, sincerely hope that maybe 5,000 of those people really took something away from it. And maybe a bunch of maybe 50,000 thought it was good and really enjoyed it. That to me is more rewarding than somebody like click because I, you know, I ran into the room and I smashed a glass and scared the hell out of my girlfriend. And, you know, 2 million people laughed or whatever. It's more rewarding to me that somebody sent me a note, said, hey, I listened to your song and it made me cry. And I thought about this. And it made, you know, that, how can you put a price tag on that? So I think that's an important takeaway when you're talking about quality versus quantity, too. You've got to learn. You can't look, and you were saying this, too. You can't look at these people who have, like, millions and millions of views, like, man, I am just, I'm failing. I'm not good. Because if you're profoundly touching the few people that you are reaching, that's really important. That that is true, and uh, I wanted to ask you this one quick question before uh, we finish. And this is for people that is in the same type of shoes that are that we produce in quality, not just quantity, but we're producing quality. And for people like me and you that just sit there and just like maybe I'm not good enough because I don't have that that huge fan base. Like, how can I use the little bit of viewers or the little bit of support that I have as motivation to continue to push myself? Like. What, what what motivates you to continue to keep pushing yourself despite knowing that you have so much odds against you? I think almost every artist or songwriter or a lot of them will tell you that they don't, it isn't even a choice, that it's something that they do almost because they have to. And I would say that the best songs that I've written, <laughs> the, the two or three, <laughs> the best songs that I've written I didn't write them. I've always told people I didn't write them because I chose to. I wrote them because I had to. Uh, you know, I have one song that I wrote after years ago after I left a company that I worked for for 14 years. And it was a very traumatic experience at the time, leaving this company and leaving the people there. And I went home and I, I, I had to write the song. It just it just came out of me. And it's one of my favorites. Um and so it, it, that's the thing that motive. it isn't even a question of motivation sometimes. Now, to do the legwork of, of sometimes you'll get that burst of creativity and you have to do it. I have to get this down. The legwork is just you've got to kind of resign yourself to doing it and, and feel that there's something worthwhile that's going to come out of it and somebody will get something out of it and it will be rewarding. You have to kind of look at what you've done in the past. Um, and, yeah, it, as we've discussed before, there are days where I don't want to do it because I feel like 
I've done good work and it wasn't understood or it wasn't recognized and you get, why am I doing this? You know, what is the point? No, <laughs> if people don't understand it or, or I can't communicate it correctly, why should I do this? So it is hard sometimes to motivate yourself in that sense. I think um, you just, in a practical sense, in a pragmatic sense, you just have to make a schedule, have a routine, resign yourself, I'm going to do this. And uh, you, like you always say, you kind of just got to keep plugging along. It's, it's really the only, only thing you can do. No, and uh, piggyback what you were saying with that, I, I also want to say is you got to have a love for it too. Like me and you, we love, we love what we do. No matter if it's a million people listening to it, because you know why, when you produce your quality and your content, you your number one fan first. You know, and you're going to want to love what you want to hear first. So always, even with my own podcast and it, and it comes down with my quality and it comes down to the content that I produce every episode that I do. I love it. I love it because this is something that I feel like it should be relatable to everyone. And I love what I do. I love talking. I love communicating. I love talking in a broad, a wide range of audience and multiple different topics. That's just something that I just have a desire for. And I think that's going to be the way to help you continue to produce quality is when you have a love for something. Because when you don't when you don't love it, that's when you produce simplistic and you produce quantity. I mean, yeah, quantity stuff like you, you, you produce stuff that just what a lot of people fit as the masses, like what's suitable for the masses. You're not producing stuff that you really love to do, which you really worked hard for. Just like how you said, you worked hard for all those songs that you produce. And sometimes you're just like, damn, man, I wish somebody could really appreciate uh, uh, more of it. But like how you said before, you don't care if it's two people or two million people. If two people can say this really affect my life, then you produce really good quantity, quality work. And I think that that's where you should really focus on. And not just for anybody that's that's out here that's trying to create any type of creativity. Just always remember, no matter how many people listen to yourself. You got two people listening to it. You got 10 people listening to it. My my podcast, I racked up almost 600 views. So right now, moving up. But like I said, the people that call me and the people that text me and the people that writes, even Glenn, even everyone else that listened to my podcast, I, I love when people say, you really did a great job. Because you know why? I don't care about having a million people listening to my stuff. Because, okay, that's cool. That's great. But I want to change the, I want to change the small amount of people because I want it to affect their lives. Something better, something positive. I don't care about, oh, yeah, I got this girl on here or we could talk about toxic stuff. But, yeah, I can I can fit the masses and be like everybody else. Well, where is this going to get me? It's not going to get me nowhere. It's only going to give me a little bit of time. But uh, just to just to wrap it up, we going up into a long range, and we could talk about quality versus quantity all the time. Uh, one last thing I want to ask for Glenn is a motivational quote. You know, I always like to have a motivational speech or a quote. Anything you could talk, you could bring up the whole quality versus quantity. You know, you could just think about anything that can make someone wants to feel like I can get through this for another week, or I, or something that can really impact their life. When it comes down to anything in life that they want to do. Um, well, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is tough. I think that, uh, whew, you may have to cut something here. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to cut something here because I got to think for a second. Uh, 
No, no, it's, it's, it's okay. I mean, listen, one thing I can say is, e- even if it's just quality and quantity, and uh, I know you've spoken a lot, so I, I can't. Oh, you got one right now? All right, let's let's say something. Say something. See, okay, I got something. So uh, one thing as far as far as staying motivated, I see this sometimes where people who do some kind of an artistic endeavor or a creative endeavor, they want to give up because they feel that somebody told them this sucks or this isn't good enough or you're not good enough. Or, And I would suggest be very careful because you will find with creative stuff, you will find that sometimes you'll talk to two people and they'll say it sucks and then you stop and you quit. And then the next two people, they'll say the exact opposite. So you might have somebody who says, hey, uh, you know, Sean, you really talked way too much about you may talked way too much about your college years in that last podcast. And then someone else says the same thing. And you're like, man, I suck. I, I, sh- I got to stop doing this. And then the next person you talk to will say, you know, Sean, I really loved how you went so much into your college years. So you, you got to keep in mind that sometimes people don't really people will react to things differently. People will react to your art differently. Some The things that one person loves about your art, another person is going to hate and, and vice versa. So you really need to keep your eye on the ball. You really need to keep your eye on the prize and keep a, uh, a focus on, on what you want to do, what you want to say, and not always take it personally, which is the hardest thing to do, you know, because artists are very sensitive and cre- extremely creative people are very sensitive. So you really got to keep your eye on the prize and you got to keep focused and, and keep stuff in context. And understand that if you really believe in something and you really think there's something there, most likely there's going to be somebody out there, else out there, who, who it resonates with. It's just a matter of getting it to them. Well, listen, Glenn, I really do appreciate you for joining in. Every time when I have you on here, I've always liked to, I, I feel good. It's like, it's like a bright light just come out of nowhere and just be like, man, we got to keep talking some more. But like I said, I love having Glenn on to my show and don't don't worry guys you always going to continue to hear more more and more topics with me and glenn as we talk more about real life and like i said if anybody want to listen to more about me or want to hear all my other podcasts yeah yeah yeah. hold on real quick before i f- wrap up everything go ahead a quick plug so i've got a father's day song out which is called strongest man in the world it's on every platform you can think of it's glenn page music with uh, two ends uh, if you go to YouTube, it's there. There's a lyric video. It's on Spotify. It's on all the it's all the different streaming platforms. Apple, but it's called uh, "Strongest Man in the World." It's a Father's Day song, and uh, that's my current thing. And check it out. Well, I'm gonna definitely check it out. It's Father's Day coming up, and I'm a father, so you know I'm gonna be definitely listening. And make sure you guys tune into my guy Glenn Page. And like I was saying, if you want to check out any more of my podcasts, you can hit me up on Facebook or Instagram. Facebook Sean Serino, Instagram S.C0918. Thanks again for listening to Sean Talk, guys. Have a great week, Glenn. I appreciate you. I love having you on here. I really do. I love having you on here, man. And we're going to have way more talks as time goes on. And like I said, guys, thank you for listening to Sean Talks. It's your boy, Sean Serino. Have a good one, guys. Talk to you soon.
searches, 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 sear